0: Thank you for listening to the Lake Murray Baptist Church podcast. Lake Murray Baptist Church is a Southern Baptist church located in Lexington, South Carolina. My name is David Sons, and I serve as the family and discipleship pastor here at the church, as well as the host of this podcast. Our hope is that this podcast will be a resource for our members who are seeking to live out their faith in Jesus Christ in their everyday lives. We want to use this platform to exalt Jesus and equip the members of Lake Murray to be the church where they live, work, and play. Welcome to this episode of the Lake Murray Baptist Church Podcast. Thanks for listening. Our guest today is Dr. Gene Fant. Dr. Fant is the president of North Greenville University in Tigerville, South Carolina. Dr. Fent is a nationally recognized thinker in literature, education, and theology. He is the author of several books, including The Liberal Arts, A Student's Guide, and God as Author, A Biblical Approach to Narrative. He has also contributed his writing to a number of other books and publications, including The Chronicle of Higher Education and First Things Magazine. Dr. Fent is the eighth president in North Greenville's history and has been a friend of our church since his arrival in the state in 2017. It's a pleasure to get to talk with him today on our podcast, Dr. Fent. Thanks for joining us.
1: Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure and uh, love your church, love your pastor, and uh, so grateful for the opportunity to serve South Carolina Baptists from this platform.
0: Well, I know that a lot of our folks are familiar with North Greenville University, and not only because of its history in our, in our state, but also because of its ties to the Baptist Convention, as you just mentioned a moment ago. Uh, we, a, as a church, uh, we run pretty deep in North Greenville. I think three of our pastors are, are graduates, and two of our pastors' wives are graduates. Uh, and so next month, you'll finish your third year as the school's president. Mm-hmm. And so as we begin, could you maybe just talk a little bit about your journey to North Greenville and, and how you came to be its president?
1: Yeah, North Greenville had always been a place that I had heard about, but had never been. And so when uh, my wife and I were living in New Orleans, I was at the Baptist Seminary there, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And we had a number of friends uh, there at the seminary who were North Greenville alums and was so impressed with them and with their commitment to the local church, commitment to missions, and so forth. And so through the years, I had had a lot of friends who had taught at North Greenville or attended North Greenville or had family who had been here or whatever. Uh, and so it had always kind of been on my radar. And when the uh, position announcement came open, uh, my, my wife and I were encouraged to pray about the position and the possibility of uh, coming to South Carolina. And it just happened that year we were in Asheville on vacation when all of that happened. Hmm. And so on our way back to Florida, we were coming down I-26 and we thought, you know, let's, let's slip over there. So we hopped off on US-25 there uh, near Flat Rock and uh, came on down. And as we were looping through campus, we were so impressed with the beauty of hmm. the location and everything. And uh, it just happened we have a gas station on campus and I was pumping gas and uh, next to me was a church bus that was here for a summer centrifuge camp. And uh, I asked the guy who was pumping the gas, I said, hey, what do you know about this college over here? And he just gave such glowing terms and and I was really impressed uh, by that answer. And so I had taken a very traditional track. I started off as a faculty member, became a department chair, became a dean, served as chief academic officer at two places, Union University, one of our Baptist institutions in Tennessee, and Palm Beach Atlantic University, which was started by First Baptist of West Palm Beach back in the day. And so I had a a very traditional track toward heading into this kind of a leadership position. Um, But the, the other thing that I'll mention is God has a crazy sense of humor. And uh, part of that has to do with this. My family uh, emigrated from Ireland in the late 1700s. There were five or six brothers who fought in the Revolutionary War uh, coming out of Virginia, and they received land grants in South Carolina. And so we actually have family land grants that are in Anderson County. Wow. Uh, Grove is still a part of Clemson University, and there's a Baptist church there, Vance Grove. And we've had Baptist preachers who serve South Carolina Baptists all the way back to the 18 teens. And so while my branch of the family left about 1860 or something like that, it's been fun to come back and connect with extended, very extended family uh, in the area, and every now and then even to visit churches that have people with my last name in the churchyard all the way back for really for 200 years. And so that's been a lot of fun to see that kind of a connection too. So it's been an interesting journey. And as I was talking to my son last night, there's there's nothing more satisfying than looking back and seeing how God is so much smarter than you are Mm. and that his love and providence works in ways that you cannot even fathom. And so to be at a place like this, doing this kind of work uh, for the kingdom uh, and to look backward and see how God has woven all these different threads together it's a pretty pretty humbling experience
0: well uh, we're certainly glad for the glowing recommendation of the church bus driver uh, at the gas <laughs> station uh, and uh, and helping you discover some of your roots here in the upstate of South Carolina. Um, you know, Dr. Fan, I think one of the things that I appreciate most about your leadership and the leadership of the faculty and staff that works alongside you at North Greenville is the emphasis that you place on the integration of faith and learning. Um, I think one of the criticisms probably really throughout church history, but most notably since the, the Enlightenment, is that Christianity and intellectualism are somehow at odds with one another, Uh, However, you've made it a part of your mission to make North Greenville not only a campus where students grow in their faith, but an environment where they are challenged academically. Uh, And some people may believe that those two things are mutually exclusive, but would you share about the emphasis North Greenville places on the integration of faith and learning?
1: Absolutely. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. We We are told that time and time again, in scripture. And so if you go back and you look at church history, especially uh, from Augustine forward, what you find is that, as you said, up until we get to the Enlightenment, there was always a presumption uh, that a well-rounded education was a Christ-centered education. And so the idea that we look to Christ as the ultimate teacher and the ultimate revelation of God's uh, plan for this world and God's mission in this world. Uh, that was always a presumption uh, up until 100, 150 years ago, something like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and I think that it's one of the things that happened in the 19th century is that the church really ceded ground uh, in a way that it did not need to. In other words, that the church uh, was uh, not necessarily as um, Combative, maybe as it needed to be. And certainly by the time we get to the 1920s with the modernist controversy and so forth, what we begin to see is that uh, the church often stands against higher education and really with good reason. Uh, What was happening back then was an active destruction of the faith among so many people. Uh, I can't tell you how many people have told me, especially people of that generation that when they went to college, their their pastors would beg them, please don't walk away from your faith. And we continue to see that, that a lot of students who go to other universities Uh, that they begin to struggle with their faith. They start to openly question the morality they were brought up with. They begin to openly question the authority of Scripture in so many different areas of their lives. But that's not the way that it is at North Greenville. We're very careful in how we hire. Uh, We go through a very rigorous process of interviews and examining people. One of the things that we're trying to do now is actually to pick up faculty who are experienced faculty from other universities who've been doing this integration of faith and learning uh, for a long time and they're very skillful at it and bring them into the university so that they can also help uh, younger, newer faculty to do the same things. And so I tell people all the time that uh, as a Christian, That is not an admission of anything that is secondary. In fact, I would argue that because we have the fullness of the transformed mind of Christ, because we are loving God with our hearts, souls, strengths, and minds, that in fact we have a great advantage over a secular thinker who's trying to figure out the world, because often a secular thinker will come to a certain point and realize that that path leads to God, and they refuse to go down a path that leads to God, whereas we keep finding God under every rock, around every corner, superintending everything, and there's an incredible peace that and comfort that comes from that. And so having well-trained faculty who have absolutely the credentials that are necessary to teach a university, but are doing it in the context of loving students, Uh, with their minds of doing what we call intellectual discipleship that leads to actually intellectual humility uh, and understanding the right place in the universe. This is a special community that allows for those kinds of relationships to happen.
0: Well, you mentioned your faculty and, and just hiring, the way that you guys are thinking about hiring and the way that you're staffing. And, and, and um, as a North Greenville alum and as a friend of a number of, of the current faculty, I know uh, just the importance that North Greenville has placed on educating students from what you talked about, from a Christian worldview. Um, And we know that obviously the Christian worldview will always be at odds with the secular culture. But in recent years, the Christian worldview has kind of faced increased hostility, both within the walls of higher education and in the marketplace. And so as as a president of a Christian university, what do you see as some of the current and then maybe future challenges to Christian education?
1: Well, I think one of the great opportunities we have is to surprise the secularists with our excellence. Mm. And so when they are surprised by our excellence, often it causes them to say, wait a minute. And that then causes them to question their presuppositions and so forth. And uh, one of the things that I, I have a mentor who told me one time is that, uh, sometimes the way that we operate and the way that we treat others actually earns us the right to share the gospel. That's not good. that we need the right to share the gospel because we have that uh, certainly through the imperatives of God. But all of a sudden, when when people witness things that they've not seen before and their guard is dropped, it allows them sometimes to hear things without a guard up. And so I think it's one of the huge opportunities that we have when they see. Christian institutions that are functional, uh, and our graduates coming out mm. who are completely different. Uh, I, I had, a, a, a very secular person one time say, uh, that he loved hiring our students as a babysitters, And, uh, he said, you know, why are your students so different? Even in my household, watching my children, uh, I, I have a friend at another institution who was called in uh, to a meeting with someone from another country that's a very secular country and said, I don't understand why your students are so different. And actually, used this phrase said, uh, One of your students has a fragrance that the other students that we work with, they don't have. And wow. of course, that's that's straight out of the New Testament. Yeah, you know? and, sure. And this was a secular person who would not understand even, even a, a Bible reference like that and use that. And, and so as we have students who are prepared to be convictional, uh, to be ethical, to be just really good people to have around mm-hmm. and to be, as we like to say, transformational leaders, not just for church. But also for society, uh, then that really is evidence that we are doing truly Christ first education in this kind of a context.
0: You know, you talk about just the the North Greenville students, and as a family pastor at our church, I get the opportunity to really think about and minister to and serve this uh, this generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they get labeled millennials, but primarily we're talking about I guess Gen Z now in, in the college age and. And I think as often as the case in history, this generation of students gets a bad rap sometimes from older generations. And so as a university president who interacts and engages with college students day in and day out, in what ways are you encouraged about this generation of college students and, and then also young professionals?
1: So one of the things that I see very much is that they love the church. Mm. Uh, that That's something that's very different in this generation. And I think a lot of it has to do with so many students come from families that are dysfunctional or uh, subcultures that are dysfunctional, whether that's in their high schools or in their um, social structures, whatever, they look at what's happening at the nation and, and in the, the global culture, and it seems like they're longing for a place that has genuine, authentic relationships that are centered around loving others And then sometimes they need a little help with that connection between loving God and loving others. Uh, Because every now and then you'll see with Gen Z that they'll elevate relationships over revelation. Mm. Uh, and, And so sometimes a place like ours uh, help students to draw that connection, that the true love that you have for others is based on kind of that 1 John four nineteen 19 uh, model that we love because he has first loved us. And so uh, millennials and younger Gen Zs, they they really long for those relationships. And when they find a church, especially a local body, Uh, that is doing that, that's loving the community, that's loving one another and all. They become very passionate about that. The other thing that I often will say is that they long to change the world, uh, not in kind of a 60s way, but in very much a way that is gospel focused. Mm. Uh, And so while sometimes they need a little A definition of what the gospel really means in terms of it not just serving society, but transforming eternity and transforming the soul. And so that's the kind of thing we joyfully and joyously work on, um, because I'll be frank, I've met a lot of people through the years who uh, were very good at evangelism and sharing their faith, but they were not very loving. (laughs) <laughs> it yeah. was not necessarily a part of their reputation. And, and so getting both of those things together is, is a pretty amazing thing and and Gen Zers love that. They have a, they have an inauthenticity detector like no other generation has yeah, ever had. They, they can true. sniff out inauthenticity. Uh, so incredibly well. And uh, that's, that's an important thing for the church because as they are sensitive to that, I think sometimes the leaders who are a little bit older uh, sometimes uh, will overlook things that are related to uh, institutional hypocrisy or whatever that Gen Zs pick up on really quickly. And so I strongly encourage people uh, to be as cross-generational as possible. That's mm-hmm. scriptural, by the way, uh, our churches should be cross-generational as much right. as possible, even as they are, uh, we, we talk about churches being intercultural or cross-cultural. They also need to be cross-generational uh, because younger people need older people. And you know what? Older people need younger people. And uh, we can learn a lot from each other. And that's the beauty of the community that Christ died for, the church, coming together and seeking to serve those with that gospel focus.
0: You know, uh, just as you're saying that, I think that's one of the uh, the most moving things, the most powerful things about the the local body here, like Murray is it is truly a multi generational community of believers, and and just the blessing of that, that has been to to not only pastor that, but to be a part of a connect, be a part of a, a small group, a connect group that is multi generational. Uh, I think you 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 hit that nail right on the head when you talk about how important that is, cross generational. Uh, ministry within the church and, and also there on the campus. And, and so we mentioned this a minute ago, and some of our folks may know, others may not, North Greenville University is a South Carolina Baptist institution. And so you, you mentioned this a minute ago, I know that your heart is not only for higher education, but also for the local church. And so would you talk just a little bit about North Greenville's relationship with the local church?
1: North Greenville's relationship with the local church is so unique because it was the local churches that got together and started us. Yeah. Uh, and so, way back in 1892, in this part of South Carolina, they called it the Dark Corner. And uh, outside of moonshine and a little bit of sharecropping, there wasn't a whole lot uh, for people to do to sustain their families. And so, the little tiny churches up here, head of tiger. Baptist Church, Mush Creek Baptist Church. There you go. Uh, so many of these these small, little, tiny churches that, frankly, have been around for two hundred years, which blows mm-hmm. me away. Many of them were uh, started by the Sandy Creek Church up in North Carolina. Right. Those churches got together and said, "We believe that education can provide a path." Uh, for our young people. And so they got together and they started a boarding school that was uh, grades eight through 12, and then it became a junior college and now a full-fledged university. And so I've never worked at a university. I've always worked at universities that have strong relationships with churches, but I don't know that I've ever seen a place where so many churches talk about our college in the way that they do here. And that's partly because we produce uh, the lion's share of the pastors. They've they have at least attended North Greenville in this part of the country. Um, and so many church leaders and deacons and Sunday school teachers and all of that come out of that. Um, but then it's also the overflow of that work, not just for the upstate and South Carolina, but globally. There are so many missionaries who have gone through the doors Of North Greenville University. We just had four more, I believe it was, uh, commissioned by the International Mission Board. Uh, We can't even talk about some of those because they're going into closed countries where they can't uh, give their names or they can't say where they came from and all, but we we know uh, who some of those folks are and all. And so to see that connection with the local church, and again, to go back to your opening question about uh, my journey here, uh, my dad is a pastor. My dad's brother was a pastor. My mm-hmm. grandfather is a pastor. His cousin was a pastor. Uh, as I said, we've had fans doing this in South Carolina and all across the country for a long time. But let, let me focus on that for just a little bit. My dad was a church planner for the old home mission board up near Buffalo, New York. He started nine churches in seven years and we had actually a house church. I made my profession of faith in the living room Hmm. of a house church. We had a baptistry in the garage and the neighbors thought we were a cult because we would pull (laughs) up the garage door and people would sing, shall we gather at the river and we'd do this water thing in the garage and all. And so I love the local church. My mama taught me all the way through. The local church is where it's at. She used to say yeah. that all the time. Jesus died for us, and he died for the church, too. The church mm. is his pride. Amen. And, uh, so so being at a place uh, that was started by the local church, serves the local church, owes its existence to the local church. and And frankly, it's one of the things that got missed, I think, back in the 1920s. Uh, with the drift and the wedge between education and the church, was the future of the church lies through the colleges that serve and supply the church, just as the future of the institutions lies uh, with the students that come to them and come through their doors and then pass along. It's a symbiotic relationship because it's a kingdom relationship. And that's one of the things that that God is so incredible at doing is connecting communities in ways that um, not only are on Sunday, but are during the week and are during different seasons in our lives, like the college experience, and, and combining and merging all those things together within His redemptive plan.
0: Well, North Greenville certainly has a legacy of producing pastors and missionaries in in our state and and really around our country and around the world. And Obviously, this past semester has been a challenge, not only for North Greenville, but but for really for every institution of, of higher education. And so in a way of a closing question, Dr. Fant, w- would you maybe share with our listeners how they can be praying for North Greenville in these coming days?
1: Well, we've been uh, preparing because the culture is becoming more and more hostile uh, to Christ first education. We've actually been preparing for an event, not knowing that it was COVID. I was on a prayer retreat back in January. Uh, where I spent several days in prayer and reflection. And in my notebook, I wrote under uh, 2020, I wrote two words, chaos and change. Mm. And I thought that they might be related to the, the politics of the year, related to the election. Uh, but our board is very wise and our board has been preparing for a season of uh, chaos and change. And so we went into this and a very unusual circumstance, and that we, as a university, have no bank-issued debt whatsoever, wow. which is very unusual uh, for private education. That means our prices are a lot lower. We had cash in the bank, and so we're we we we've just really been blessed uh, going into this. That we have people who have made like Joseph, and they uh, stored up things for these lean years, and so uh, coming into this, we have been in a good position, and. We're we're watching to see how we can best uh, prepare for the fall. We do we we have announced that we are open in the fall fully for business. Our athletic conference has already announced that they'll have the full slate of games. Of course, all that is contingent on what happens with um, you know the government and healthcare and all of those things. But sure. we believe that this is an opportunity for us to really. Uh, Double down on our mission. I, I think there will be a temptation for some places to say our mission is too restrictive. We can't get through this time of turmoil unless we water down our mission. Well, that's not what we're doing. Uh, we, we've we even launched a prayer team this summer, NGU Cares, uh, where faculty and staff are reaching out to students through the summer to touch base with them, to pray for them, to pray with them, and to prepare to welcome them back to campus. We have our senior campus pastor, Steve Krause, who's uh, calling pastors and leaders around and praying with them and providing that opportunity to serve them. And so uh, when we talk about what churches can do, you know, what we hope is obviously that Uh, People will refer students to us. That would be really awesome Um, that we receive our cooperative program funding and so forth, which is also an amazing, amazing benefit to the university. But I say this without guile and without practicality. The biggest thing that people can do for us is to pray for us because uh, we are going through a season in higher education where it's a lot of unknowns Uh, The word for the next uh, 15 months is ambiguity uh, because it's just hard to know what's going to be coming down the pike any given day. And so we do covet people's prayers that uh, we will rely on God's providence, that we will be faithful to the mission that the churches have given us, and that we will have the wisdom and discernment to know the decisions we need to make when we need to make them and that God will allow us to be faithful stewards of what's been entrusted to us so that we can be a place that continues to equip transformational leaders for church and society.
0: Well, we'll certainly be praying uh, for you and for the staff there at North Greenville. And you can find out more about Dr. Fan or about North Greenville University by visiting the university's website, ngu.edu. There you'll find a number of helpful resources about the school's history, mission, and academics. Dr. Fant, it has been a pleasure to talk with you about the vision and future of North Greenville and about how you're training christ Center leaders in the next generation. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast.
1: Well, it's been a joy, and I'm very excited to announce at the end of the podcast that I'm going to get my first haircut in 10 weeks. So I'm I'm really excited about that. So uh, (laughs) thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Oh,
0: thank you. Thank you, Dr. Fant. And a special thank you to you, the members of Lake Mary Baptist Church, and to all of our listeners. Remember, this podcast and the other ministries of Lake Mary Baptist Church are brought to you by the generous tithes and offerings of our church membership. To give to the ministries of Lake Mary Baptist Church, you can follow the link in the description. For more information about Lake Mary Baptist Church, you can always visit our church website, www.lakemurraybc.org. Remember to subscribe to this podcast. By subscribing, you'll be notified whenever a new pod is posted. We hope that you'll join us again next time as we seek to live in light of the gospel in the places where God has placed us for his glory, our joy, and others good.